Sorry, I feel like I was the impediment to recording like every step of the way today. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I um it gave me time to go shopping. Woo! And basically be quillerin all day. Yeah, well, I did get cat food. Um in an ottoman, I heard. No, I well, okay. So I do want an ottoman. And I <laughs> And I forgot that that was, like, a quillering thing in this book until I started <laughs> reading again today. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually quillering right now. <laughs> but but I will say, I think I want a different ottoman than him because he wanted, like, a footstool ottoman. I want, like, one of those long storage ottomans that basically look like a fancy couch. Oh, okay. But yeah. if you'll also recall, Quillerin also did not get a get an ottoman on his first try. So yet again... That's... You are quilling. <laughs> Hashtag quilling. Hashtag quilling. That's true. And I, so the reason I didn't get an ottoman is multiple, multiple reasons why I didn't get an ottoman. So the restore, which is where I shop for furniture, because I don't like paying full, fr- full, full price for furniture, sure. um, was closed today, unfortunately. So then I went to Goodwill, but they're not fancy enough to have Ottomans. And then I went to Kohl's, which is a bad choice because they're always expensive or more expensive than I want them to be. Sure. So it just, you know, snowballed into something. It snowballed into into a time, into a day of me oh. not, do- <laughs> not doing the things that I wanted to do. But I did get oh. some matching fancy throw pillows at goodwill which were nice yeah and i got a great ugly christmas sweater for next year (gasps) excellent Um, thinking ahead i also got some bowls and some cat dishes because the cats have been eating off of my plates for the past (laughs) (laughs) several months and so i got them their own little tiny plates Uh, well what fancy bitches yeah which was great and shout out to goodwill because the plates i got them each one plate at target because i went to target and was like oh my god the cheapest plates here are two dollars i'm not getting like 10 plates for my cats to have different plates every time they eat because that's gonna add up but at goodwill (laughs) they were 50 cents so now my cats can't have new plates every time they eat oh i mean not every time they eat because i wash them and reuse them obviously but you know like they don't have to eat the same like crusty plate because i'm too lazy to wash it so all of that together at goodwill was under 20 dollars, whereas one throw pillow at target was like 30 oh man yeah so that was my that was my day my day in a nutshell a whirlwind of shopping and failing and then succeeding (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that also is kind of Quillerin's schedule of just going from place to place and either striking out or succeeding. We get a lot of his errands and his little chores. Yeah, that's true. He has pretty normal days, too. That's true. It's very true. Yeah. Um. Oh, my gosh. I should also give everyone a shadow update because he is 
truly just not learning how to be in this cone. He's worse than Franklin, who was really bad in it himself. No. And I know the poor guy. So he got neutered. It's not anything too too scary to anyone who's wondering. <laughs> but totally life changing. I know. He'll never gone. be a father. <laughs> He'll never have his balls back. <laughs> We actually did both. John and I got like really sad about it. And then we were like, wait, this is like a normal. Why are we sad about this? This is a normal thing. Yeah, this is fine. It's a very but we were just like, oh, 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 poor guy. Poor little But yeah, he's not been taken kindly to the cone. I think just because he's like more recently from the streets than the other ones. And he's like extra. But he's like extra cuddly now too. Like, oh my gosh, I keep waking up with him like the cone like in my face. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I have a picture. Maybe I, I think I oh I did send it to you. And he like I was editing the other day, and he just oh my god just came up and just flopped over. I'll post it on the Instagram. I've been meaning to and forgetting, but oh man, this poor little as you called him a poor little lamp. <laughs> Your poor little lamp. <laughs> poor little lamp. Oh my gosh, and Franklin is of course barging in to the door that I closed. I knew he would do that, Franklin. And also, oh my gosh, shout out to Emma and Christine because we um, just all uh, got together after Christmas. I hadn't seen them since before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so we exchanged presents and oh my gosh, they both got me the greatest gifts. A lot of them included cat items. And I'm so excited about it, which was nice. great. I got a little kitty, a little knit hat with ears. Aww. And uh, M, oh my gosh, M got me these, uh, well, got us, <laughs> got us these, uh, cat toys that i mean franklin oh my gosh can you hear that that's franklin peeing oh (laughs) i can't but good to know okay good all right well now that i took the cat out of the bag um, called him out for his bodily functions (laughs) oh poor guy that's probably why he was barging in the door he was like hello i have to pee Oh, Mushu. Oh. oh, I'll tell you a sad story about Mushu needing to use the litter box. Today. Oh, no. I'll I'll tell it to you later though. Keep going. <laughs> oh, well that's basically it is that we just had like I um had gone to the recording and we like exchanged gifts and then I got home and these um really cute there are these really cute little little cat toys with like a catnip on the inside and they were like sparkly and then they had feathers on the Ooh. on the ends. And um, they were at the bottom of the bag just because they were so, you know, small and, like, underneath everything. Mm-hmm. And when I got home, sorry, oh, my gosh, of course, Franklin's, like, jumping into the blinds. Um, when I got home, Franklin, like, I put the bag down. I was just, like, you know, settling everything and getting, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, slowly started to put things away. And as before I could even come back to the bag, Franklin had, like, dived into it i turned around and franklin was like pulling everything out of the bag <laughs> and had found all three of the cat toys and was like playing with them before i could even like take the tags off so now the tags are like part of the toy too <laughs> nice you're like how do you even know this is for you this could be for me i know true this could just be you know definitely not a cat thing but Aww. yeah definitely a cat thing so yeah lots of cat related things happening here too um okay so poor what, what happened to mushu and his little having to pee oh poor mushu so it it wasn't a pee <laughs> oh no yeah so i i had like literally just been thinking the other day i was like oh my god mushu is like the best cat ever he's like literally caused <laughs> me no trouble in life like 
he's like never knocks things over or like plays with things. I don't have to worry about like what's on my table or anything like that. Like I literally had a picture frame out for like a month before Chuni got here and it was just like full of shattered glass and Mushu like didn't even <laughs> <laughs> look at it. I didn't even have to worry about it because he like didn't even look at the table to get on it. And like <laughs> he doesn't like ever go outside of his litter box and he's just like so neat and tidy and like stays in one room and is just like happy and cuddly and like <laughs> the best cat ever. And, and then how did he shatter that image? And then <laughs> he's shattered that image. So he, yeah, I mean, it's like a little bit my fault, but like also a little bit his fault. Yeah. <laughs> so I had um, a friend come over the other day to help me with my cat room. Oh, of course, of course. So yeah, so I actually have two shelves hanging in my cat room now. What? Oh. It's getting there. Um, but of course that means that Mushu couldn't come out from under the bed because he's terrified of strangers, stranger danger. Sure, sure. Um, sure. Yeah, so I I didn't realize until, like, probably pretty much too late that I had fed Mushu, and then my friend came over, and Mushu probably hadn't had time to, like, go to the bathroom, you know, like, after he oh, no. it first thing in the morning. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so I saw him, like, peeking his head out from under the bed, and I was like, oh, buddy, you gonna come out? And he just had, like, a panicked look in his face. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, no, I bet he has to poop. (laughs) And we're literally in his poop room. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, he can't come in. I mean, he can, but he's not going to because he's a big baby and can't handle people. Um, So so I put a litter box in my room for him and closed the door and was like, okay, you do your thing. Like, we won't even look. The door is closed. (laughs) The litter box is in there. But I think I put the wrong litter box in there. I put Julie's litter box. What a picky fool. You gotta go. You gotta go. I know. So I was like, come on, bud. Like, you could have at least, like, tried Chuni's litter box. Like, it's the easier one to move. So that's the one I moved. But no. So where did he decide to poop? Where do you think he decided (gasps) to poop? Oh, no. In your bed? (laughs) No. No. I'm glad I wasn't in my bed. That would have been, like, the, the worst option, but he probably picked, like, the second worst option. He oh, pooped. No. He didn't poop a normal poop. He pooped, like, a giant, watery, gross poop. Oh, God. <laughs> like, my entire bedroom is hardwood floor. He pooped on my hand-woven Albanian oh. carpet. <laughs> oh, no. My hand-woven wool Albanian carpet square that I brought back from Peace Corps. <laughs> oh buddy it was like it's like two square feet like it's the smallest thing ever and he decided to just (laughs) he was like that spot right there he's probably like well everything else is off limits because it's the floor so this is the only thing that's not the floor this is obviously a pee pad yeah definitely yeah so he pooped he pooped on my albanian carpet which i was like a little bit salty about because i'm like this is wool i can't even wash it (laughs) Also, I'd like to point out this is the second week in a row that you've, I mean, maybe third, I don't actually remember farther back than two weeks, but I just remember last week you were describing very graphic cat vomit, and this week you're describing very graphic cat poop. Yeah, my cats are having issues. It's like, okay, they're both like a little bit my fault, though, because I keep, again, like an asshole, keep switching their food up, so I think they're having like a little bit of some 
digestional issues. Oh, buddies. Poor, poor little guys. I'm just trying to find, like, ones that work for them because they're being such picky assholes. Oh, you should give everyone an update on Chuni too. Someone was asking on Twitter, and I was oh. like, oh, Chuni's okay now. Chuni's fine. It, like, wasn't anything. I did panic and take him to an emergency vet and had him x-rayed, and it was a sad day for everyone. <laughs> Because I just got, like, I panicked because I was like, there is something stuck in his throat. Like, it could potentially move and, like, block something and, like, you know. And then he started to, like, wheeze. And I was like, it's happening. Oh, no. I got to get him in, like, immediately. So I, like, panicked and took him to the vet. But I think, I think I just have, like, an overactive imagination and maybe, like, a little bit of cat anxiety because I think he was just snoring. (laughs) (laughs) Like he was, he was totally fine. They did an X-ray in there. Like there's nothing in there to worry about except for like some giant pockets of gas in his intestines. (laughs) Oh god! I was like, okay, I guess. So I they they gave me some like sensitive stomach formula cat food that neither of my cats will touch. They think it's disgusting. Oh, and I a- agree with them. It's like gray and mushy, and like it, mm. it just, like is very unappealing. But anyway, that's what I got. I got a like five hundred dollar bill and some like cat food that no one wants, and my cat just like ended up being fine with nothing. So he, he, like, <laughs> he did just get peace of mind. <laughs> did get peace of mind. Five hundred dollar peace of mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, worth it because if something was actually wrong, then like. You know, I would have easily paid more than that to make sure that he didn't have something stuck in his throat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's he's fine. He just had some gas. I switched him back to his normal food, which I'm like kind of not happy about because I was trying to I was trying to upgrade him Aww. to like a fancier food. I wanted to like you know kick them up a notch to like the grain free like high protein, but like no, apparently my cats can't handle that. So Chuni had like a bad intestinal reaction and got some some, a bad case of the bad case of the farts and (laughs) vomited all over the dollar farts (laughs) Achuni is just he's you know he's just a trash cat can't expect too much of him he just wants his uh his his fancy feast mcdonald's he just wants his his fancy feast and the occasional hot dog (laughs) actually that's an excellent segue into the book because we have a really great snapshot of Quillerin we see Quillerin interacting with a dog probably for the first time that basically saves his life while he's stranded but we have a moment where Quillerin uh, feeds the dog hot dogs that he bought for himself and that the cats turned their noses up at (laughs) which is hilarious because my cats go crazy over hot dogs yeah, I would assume any animal would, or, like, any, like, pet would, but I yeah. don't know. I mean, cats can be picky, so. It's true. Also, can we talk about, like, when we get to this part, can we talk about how concerned I am for this dog? <laughs> I know. I'm pretty sure that dog has been wild in in the wild yeah. of this mountain for at least right? a year. Like, is anyone taking care of it? And, like, does no one think to take care of it? It's just, like, a ranging, like, roving fat dachshund doberman 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 but also yeah. if it's fat i guess maybe it's taking care of itself or, or i it's feel like in trash 
but also i kind of wonder if we're gonna find out that someone else has been taking care of it like um, i mean that's what i'm hoping but so far everyone who's mentioned it has been like oh yeah that dog well yeah and like nobody seems to know the obvious thing that we know which is clearly this dog belongs to the deceased jj hawkenfield well okay well i mean you didn't read ahead like i did (laughs) oh no (laughs) well i mean the the neighbor the veterinarian neighbor does acknowledge that like it's known to be his dog but like still no one acknowledges that like no one's taking care of it oh sure 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 yeah well backtracking to backtracking to where we left quillerin in town we ended with the discovery of the murder the murder the murder which already feels so long ago it does and you'll have to um be the one keeping me on track this time because i did read two of the next parts and i definitely don't remember what happened in each okay fair i was the slacker this time and so i definitely did not read as far as julia did um (laughs) but i could i think i can keep us on track because while there were quite a few things that happened in this next section it ended pretty specifically i think so i think i can i think i can keep us there yeah i think well i think i know i know the like non-cliffhanger that it left on uh, but we're gonna make it a cliffhanger because dun 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 that'll be the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we can try to make it a cliffhanger, but <laughs> it it was a very disappointing cliffhanger. But anyway, yeah, we we will get there. Yeah, I think I know where it ended. I just don't remember like what happened in between. But yeah. if I, I'll try. I'll try not to spoil with like. We'll just cut out the parts where I'm like, "Did this happen yet?" And you can be like, yeah. "No." shut up stop talking about it and then <laughs> we'll edit that part out fair 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 um so yeah so we left so the last time we saw Quillerin, he was looking for an ottoman um i believe he had just had a conversation with or is that actually in no that's not in this part um that he has like a full conversation with um oh my god now i'm already the one who's like did this happen did this Wrong. not happen Cromwell. Um, no, I was gonna say with um, the designer woman where he does actually. Oh, find his um, that's in this part because mm. he. So he, we found out that he that there was a murder, and then mm-hmm. um, this part picks up with the search for the ottoman. So he went to the first place. I can't remember what it was called, but he went to the first place, and they were like, "We don't sell ottomans," and he was like, "Well." your furniture store why not but then he looked at he like demanded their phone book and found found another furniture store down the street and that was yeah. pool, and, pool and peel peel and pool oh yeah pool and peel pool and peel pool and peel pool yeah pool yes pool which he was like i really liked but then he's so disdainful of other puns which oh just quiller and squirks um, but it's Peel because Sabrina Peel is the designer. Yes. And yeah. we another get... lady of Quillerin's potential interest. Ugh, there are just always some, aren't there? Yeah. He's him and those redheads. I know I would be in <laughs> <Those> danger. <laughs> red headed designers. He just loves them. 
So yeah, uh, he goes he goes to that store and meets Sabrina, who does have ottomans, fancy ass ottomans that need to be ordered and take like a million years to get there. Yeah, and he's like, I'm only here for the summer, and she's like, Well, I'll just, you know, oh, that's what it was that he asks to buy the floor display, and she says, Only if I can redecorate your entire house for your summer vacation. And he's like, well, you're very pretty, so yes. <laughs> yeah. But we do find out that she does have, like, a little bit of ties to the house already because she is designed for the wife, who is now... True. Do we know where the wife is at this point? Ye- Ooh. Yes? I think it might actually be in this conversation that parts of it come out. I was just thinking that. I, I, yeah, I think it is, too. So. Yeah. So we find out... At some point in this chapter, if not in this conversation, that um, the family has hit a stream of misfortunes. So before yeah. the before the father was murdered, um, three of their sons actually died, like, in one summer, would you say? Like, very close to each other. Well, um, yeah, because then- towards the end of this chapter, we do find out. And, I mean, it's not a spoiler. It's information you could get anytime, and it wouldn't make a ton of difference. But you find out that two of the sons died, I think, at the same time in a skiing accident. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, kind of vaguely, they say, um, drowned in the river. Yeah. Yeah. And details come out later. Oh, oh hello? <laughs> yeah, it's Franklin. He is just walking in and out of this door that I'm trying to keep closed. Buddy. Buddy. You want to say hi? Franklin. Oh, he just flopped. Do you oh. just want some attention? Okay, I'll just pet you while you... Buddy. Um, yeah, so, right. So, three sons died within, like, I think the same summer. Is it actually the I same think, summer? I think it might actually be the same summer. I know they said, like, oh, well, if it's a skiing accident, probably not. So, it would be, like, oh, two of them right, died at right. the same time, and then, like, one of them died the next summer, probably. Yeah. Um, so, you find out that that tragedy all of those tragedies happened and then the mother actually went a little bit insane and so she is currently in she checked into and is currently still in a mental institution somewhere it doesn't really say where if she's like still in the mountains or she's probably in like the next town over it doesn't sound like the mountains have a a a mental health program yeah and it's kind of also unclear who checked her in do they ever say that she checked herself in because i'm no i would suspect that she did not check herself in you're right yeah and i also because they they kind of said too that like you know obviously this is a very grief-filled thing for her and i mean different people even say like she had a nervous breakdown and it's like well i'm not sure unless i mean unless it is a facility that's really you know catered to that it's also like you don't i don't know what is i mean the way that lillian jackson braun writes i would not be surprised if this character actually had a mental breakdown because i mean we've we've seen we've seen women dealing with children's accidents end up you know fainting all over the place so yes no it did feel very much in that vein i think i was just saying like in the real modern world where we live which is uh, you know always hard to compare to Lillian Jackson Braun's writing uh a nervous breakdown is something that like you know with a caring supporting community and family like you don't need to be fully committed for that yeah 
That is Unless true. Unless it's a facility but... that is specializing in something like that. Yeah. But we also get the picture that she did not have probably either a supporting family or a supporting community. It sounds like her husband was very psychologically abusive. Yeah, that's true. We do get that later in the chapter. And, yeah, which is really yeah. sad. And that he was, he had many enemies in the community. So I would assume that she probably did not have any, many friends in the community backing her up. Not that they would be yeah. like assholes about her kids dying, but I wouldn't, I don't know if she would be in the position to have like a full, the full support of the community given her husband's actions. That's true. Yeah. Because we do again, start to get, I think Sabrina also kind of, gives Quillerin a little bit more insight into the controversy that's happening on the mountains um, in which we, you know, I think it's kind of similar to what we've heard before, just a little bit more detail of like what JJ Hawkenfield had planned to do for the mountain versus like what people, especially of um, little potato mountain, you know, were thinking this was environmentally un irresponsible. And so I think we get another little, um, snapshot into that as well in that conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so then what happens next is ne- i feel like next there were like a lot another like string of errands and then i feel like one of the next big things is that he goes to the artist colony yeah i think that is the next big thing because i think he had the ottoman in him. i think his ottoman was one of the things that he had to unload after he bought like a oh, shit ton yeah. of local art <laughs> No, you're right. And like at the end he of the chapter. He went on a shopping spree. <laughs> oh my God. He spent literally thousands of dollars, like <laughs> possibly tens of thousands of dollars, like so much money to the yeah. point that I was like getting so, like, like, you know, just side eyeing him. And right as I started side eyeing him, it was like Lillian Jackson Brown was reading my mind and she had like a quote or a, you know, a little bit that was like Quillerin's main love for having this money was so that he could give it all away and then it listed all the people that he was like giving all of this shit to or yeah. like planning to like buying stuff for right and I was like yeah okay but you also can't say that he's like annoyed that he has money now because he clearly likes buying shit because he bought he so much shit definitely bought a lot of shit and he bought a lot of he bought some shit for other people but he bought a lot for himself and it did also include there was a sentence in there that was something along the lines of like cooler didn't have an appreciation for this kind of like craftsmanship before but now that he has like leisure time and like excess money like he finds it very appealing so I think it's one of those things like and I said not that I'm like wealthy by any means but like going I can say in my personal life going from an AmeriCorps budget of like under the national poverty level to like an actual adult salary where I can like you know pay rent and afford like slightly nicer things I will say that like the things that I never let myself admit that I needed before I like definitely need now (laughs) sure no I totally get that because like you and I have talked about before before too that like list of things that you're like okay the next time I get any decent amount of money like I'm gonna replace my mascara and I'm gonna like there's a list that's always like kind of sad a little bit but you're like no I don't need that right now right but then when you do it you're like oh god yeah that was a normal thing that I should have just done a while ago right exactly like I can cut fruit on my counter and just clean it every time like no bitch you need a cutting board (laughs) 
Oh man. Okay, I'm actually gonna try to go through the list of everything that he bought in my mind without looking at the book. Okay. So he bought the ottoman and a radio yeah. in town. I think he bought and, something else with the radio. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did. Yep. He bought okay. the commode, a new he cat commode. The commode, which I think is potentially the most expensive thing he bought. Yeah, it sounded like it. I mean, except if we're like looking at the bulk of other things, because then he went up to the artist cut. Because I think he bought, I think that's all he bought in town, aside from like food and stuff. Yeah. So that's the Ottoman. Are we listing the places that he went also? Because the Ottoman was at a separate place. Right. No, I think I was. I was just doing like a shopping list of like what he bought. Because the rest of it, I think, is at the artist colony. Oh yeah. no, no, it's not because then he goes to before he even goes to the artist colony, he goes back to the grocery store and he stocks up his bar. So he buys like a full bar's worth of alcohol, which is fucking expensive. Right? Yeah, no, that's true. So he's like hopping around town, like furniture store to like a convenience store. It sounded like for the the commode, the turkey baster or yeah. the turkey roaster and the radio, and then to the grocery store where he bought like all the liquor in the world and more cat food or just the liquor i think he just bought the liquor for now but he did make sure to buy chardonnay which is what sabrina offered him at her oh. design studio oh quillerin a little little uh, fancy thing there um, and then I think from there he goes to the artist colony. So he's already spent, I mean, yeah. alcohol alone is like hundreds of dollars if you buy like a full bar. So he's yeah, already... and if you're buying good stuff, which I would assume that he is probably buying good stuff because he likes giving things away and the alcohol is clearly to give away because he doesn't drink. Right. Yeah. He likes to impress people too. Yeah. yeah. His... So he's probably, he's probably oh, buying top shelf, which is like easily a hundred dollars bottle if you're getting real fancy. That's true. That's true. And then from there, he goes to the artist colony and he just literally hops from place to place. Like when he goes in, there's a, um, it actually sounded kind of cool because when he walks in, I guess one of the, um, the potter is opening the kiln, his kiln, um, you know, full of things that he's finished, which apparently becomes a big like thing. So people can go in and buy whatever he um, has there. So that's kind of a fun thing. And also Lily Jackson Brown might be into pottery because... (laughs) <laughs> she seemed that keeps coming up of like glazes and pottery and kilns opening and yeah which is cool i mean i like pottery yeah um so yeah so the pottery guy opens or the potter opens his kiln and cooler and buys um four mugs there which mm-hmm. apparently are pretty cheap he says um i think not even by quiller and standards like i think it, they were like four dollars a mug or something i can't remember if they said how much they were i think they definitely said, like, in comparison to the turkey roaster, it was, like, a fraction of the cost, and so he bought four yeah. of them. Oh, okay. So it could have just been, like, a normal price. Um, yeah, but I, th- I think it was, like, I think everything in the artist's village, like, granted, the price tag is, like, you know, significant, but for, like, handmade art it does seem incredibly cheap and you hear people in the crowd at the potter's place being like great I'm gonna take this back to my store and sell it for like three times the price yeah I heard yeah that was so it sounds like it's just another like symptom of the the tater community being like kind of oppressed to the point of like being forced into a like 
situation where they're being taken advantage of because they not that they have to price their stuff so low but like to survive it sounds like they need to sell basically all of their um their crafts and you know selling it at a low price is the way to do it yeah although other than that it does sound like most of their income comes from tourists because then Mm -hmm. quillerin goes to um a number of other stores and the most you know the most that he sees in that's the last time we see of those like suit type people um because then he goes to the weavers which is where he finds um well i think first he goes to the blacksmith and he buys this like Mm -hmm. giant fucking candelabra (laughs) like standing candle holder that he has to have a blacksmith help him take to his car <laughs> that they literally weren't planning to sell because they didn't think that anyone would be crazy enough to buy it yeah yeah he was like i don't know it's just a thing i did Gordon's yeah like i don't care make up a price i'll pay anything <laughs> well and then he's like well i have this candle holder and now i need to go buy hundreds of dollars worth of candles <laughs> so he literally there's a candle maker, the candle maker? Yeah. yeah and he goes over there and he's like i just bought a candle i mean we don't get that scene but we know because we know quill are in he goes and he's like, I just bought a candelabra, so I need this many candles. <laughs> and it, it does say later that he bought hundreds of dollars worth of candles. Or uh, maybe a hundred. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. I mean, candles can get expensive. Maybe not the, true. like, stick candles that he's buying. Those probably should be pennies or, like, <laughs> yeah. how, however much candles are. I don't know. I don't buy candles. But I think for, like, eight of, eight of them, I think he just bought eight of them. That they shouldn't is. be that much. But... Yeah. He did buy like fancy handmade candles, so yeah, they could have been that much. It was probably with like really good quality stuff too. Yeah. Um. So then he goes to the Weavers, and that's yeah. where he meets a woman we learn is named Chrysalis Beecham, yeah. who is the handyman's daughter, and turns out is the woman the sort of um. Uh, stern woman that uh, drove him well led him in his lost frenzy last last episode um, back on track when he was lost on the mountain and so he takes great pride in winning him over because or winning her over because he uh, proves that he's no tourist and that he has an eye for the finer things because (laughs) he picks up uh, what turns out to be a a cape a hand-woven cape that he's gonna buy for pounds awesome <laughs> it does actually sound awesome yeah it sounds it's like like hand woven like different vibrant colors well each one is a different color because he like hand selects one for polly and when he proves that he's like actually gonna buy it and he's not just like a tourist trying to like you know get something on a deal chrysalis is like mm-hmm. well i actually have you really want more of these like okay i have more if you're actually gonna buy them so like come back tomorrow i'll bring them in and they're all in different colors. And uh, Quillerin just basically goes through the list of women in his life and is like, all right, this one's for Polly. And this one's for Hixie. And this one's for Mildred. And this one's for Fran Brody. And he, like, of course, lists out their, you know, hair color and their professions and is like, you know, which one would be best, be best for which one? Um, I will say that based on the hair colors that we know of them, he made very good, well, he obviously didn't make this choice, but Chrysalis picked very good colors. Yeah, I think Chrysalis hair. did a good job. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see the other side of that gift giving exchange because I feel like Quillard just got himself in trouble by doing that. 
Oh, 100%. Because we've already established, unfortunately, that Polly is more jealous. And if he's giving her the same thing that he's giving every other woman in pickaxe when he gets back. <laughs> Including Fran, who he lustily breathed after. Oh, the lusty breathe after. He also, there was also another... There is so much mustache talk in these chapters, too. <laughs> it hasn't quite started yet, but at one point it really starts up. And and it really connects his mustache to Coco's whiskers, too. It's, of... Well, I don't... Did it? I mean, yeah. it definitely connects it to his intuition. And my favorite part is when he, like, pets his mustache. Like, oh, good yeah. job, mustache. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure luscious is used for it again. And... It's actually kind of ridiculous because there's a moment where um, a little bit later Quillerin has a, a really weird interview with um, Hixie Tinker Tot or Tinker Toys as he calls her or Hixie. No, um, Verona, Verona? Sure. Verona Dudley Wicks, I think is it her. It starts act. with a V. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he calls her like something like Verona Dudley or um, Verona tinker toys or something like that to Coco. oh it's definitely it's definitely wicks yeah right because yeah. that's what because there's like a, a bunch of wicks but like spelled a bunch of different ways oh yeah yeah i do remember that part yeah anyway but back yeah on, so back, there, on track. back on track there is a part i think it's there that he that she comments on his mustache like really you know in like a really um like sort of aggressively complimentary way and he goes on this like mental rant about like everyone just feels so entitled to my mustache like nobody comments on other people's like ears or you know something else or something else like why does everyone comment on my mustache and it's like well I mean it's very prominent it's also a choice like everyone has ears you can't really choose to have ears or not but like a mustache is definitely like that's your choice buddy the statement piece it's a statement piece yeah it's basically like if i wear a statement necklace that's my choice to wear like a big (laughs) obnoxious necklace on my chest someone's gonna comment on it yeah yeah so we get a lot of and i think it was in that that we get like again the like luscious and but we also get yeah some of the talk of like it's intuitive and he can feel like the bristles like tingling at different instances of anything being out of place and like i don't want to think about like the tingling of your bristles (laughs) i mean it's basically his like upper lip twitching but it like shoots through his mustache i mean i don't like that either (laughs) (laughs) no one does but that's what this book is about (laughs) yeah it's true it's nothing but mustache twitching (laughs) um so yeah so what's next okay so yeah he buys the candle stick he buys uh like five i think capes so literally we're at like thousands of dollars like probably like yeah. i would guess like I mean, 15 dollars to be fair at this point he has only bought one cape that's true but i mean he buys the next day the yeah, other that's six true. like it's like a he, mental, verbal he, come, he comes back and buys what four more yeah three more yeah four more yeah and they are a hundred dollars each we do get that price point yep so yeah so i think that's really all he sits with um so he goes to the little cafe in the call the artist colony and he like eats for a little bit after that and um then he sits and talks with uh chrysalis a little bit more and this is where we get the information that chrysalis's brother is the one who is potentially wrongly incarcerated 
for the murder of J.J. Hockenfield. He's the angry tater that pushed him off the cliff. Yeah, the angry tater, which I actually didn't understand until this point that taters were the little potato residents and spuds were the big potato residents. Yeah, so taters are the ones. Sorry, did you just hear my knuckle crack? I did. Uh, <laughs> gross. Very <laughs> gross. <laughs> so taters are the ones who have been living on the mountain for like multiple generations. Um, and I think spuds, I mean, it is divided by like little potato mountain and big potato mountain, but I think more than just location, it is also like a class difference. Yeah. Like for sure. very, very much like the taters are like the generational inhabitants of these mountain ranges and tend to be on the lower side of the socioeconomic scale. Yeah. Whereas the spuds are the ones who are living in the like mansions on big potato mountain and seem to have come from other places yeah as well as lots of money yeah as well as lots of money for sure yeah or even just from other places with like medium amounts of money because it seems pretty cheap to live on the potato mountains well i mean quillerin's not it's not cheap for quillerin no but we also learned that Oh, we haven't gotten there. That's true, but you're right. No, we do learn that <laughs> rent was driven up for him because of yeah. that specific house. Which also right. isn't really a spoiler. Like, that just is information that we get later. Yeah, that but... his, the the daughter, we, we will eventually meet this daughter. <gasps> Stop <gasps> giving us clues from the next section, oh. Julia. <laughs> well, we, we hear a little bit more about her and I can't remember if we hear a little bit more about her in this section or the next section I know we don't talk to her until the next section but we do hear about her because Quillerin when he backtracking a little bit to back to when he's talking to um not Chrysalis who he also has a crush on but Sabrina who he first has a crush on um (laughs) Sabrina uh he invites Sabrina up well Sabrina kind of invites herself up but um she says that she's going to come up the next day with a bunch of things to decorate his house for him and so that's why he buys the Chardonnay because he's like I'm gonna give him some Chardonnay and impress her and so yeah yeah, it's later she's the one who then talks about how like this daughter is a greedy asshole so it sounds like this rent the rent that Quillerin is paying is incredibly excessive but also i mean it's four thousand dollars a month for a mansion on the top of a mountain like is that excessive that's true because i mean it it like kind of isn't no i feel like right space wise but also like for what he actually wanted it's yeah probably what he wanted to pay for like you know a small place oh my god sorry shadow is like just being a havoc with his um cone i have franklin on one side here and shadow is like on my legs with his little cone draped over my legs so i'm full of cats right now full of cats (laughs) um yeah so yeah we we start to like kind of see the complicated relationship of jj hawkenfield's family because um well yeah, so I guess maybe we should backtrack and then go into that a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we are. I'm sorry. I think I'm I'm bouncing us around a little bit. No, that's okay. I was going to go ahead and just talk about it and then be like, well, well, well we can bounce. But um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of it, though, like at the artist colony, because um, 
yeah, he talks about, so she basically, uh, Chrysalis, who Quilleran does a little bit, like, lustily breathe after, um, says that. In, like, a backhanded compliment-y way, because he's also oh, like, yeah, oh, that she part could was... be attractive if she wore a little bit more makeup. She's oh. not bad. He's like, fuck you, Quilleran. Yeah, he's the worst. But she does sound really, really awesome. And should we do find out that she is um, a part of the picketing movement? So she is a an active environmentalist in the community. Um, That's right. Yeah, she talks a little bit more about that. This isn't the part where we learn what the um, the circle of light is. No, I haven't learned about that yet. Oh my god! Stop dangling things. okay that's the next section never yeah. mind but she does oh my god way to give it away she's a part of it it is witches oh my god i'm freaking out <laughs> so i won't say that it is but i won't say that it isn't oh my god uh, but i will say that she's like only part of it by like proxy okay all right all right i guess i'll wait until next time to get that information yeah, it's definitely one of those things. Okay, I'm not gonna. Yeah, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So she, okay, so yeah, so Chrysalis goes into this whole thing about her brother and how her brother, like, wouldn't hurt a fly, like, is mm-hmm. a really good guy. Was just protesting because of the environmental um, issues that are being caused by JJ's development, mm-hmm. which is probably, I mean, I would believe her because it sounds like they're just doing a lot of really irresponsible like just building and like taking off parts of the mountain and she's saying things like well they're just really destroying the ecosystem and like now we have different like drainage issues and different flooding issues and different landslide issues and like that wouldn't be the case if you know if the mountain was like being built in a more responsible way like they right um and it also sounds like her brother was like maybe leading the charge for a while and like kind of a hothead like in just like personality wise like very like not aggressive but like kind of aggressive and so he probably made like a really easy target yeah it sounds too like he was maybe a little bit fucked over by the media because oh my god franklin is just like casually chewing on Murphy's ears and now is like <laughs> licking her face like oh my god you're so weird Franklin stop I guess Murphy's not saying anything so maybe they, well alright they're just grooming each other that's yeah, what family yeah. does oh oh well yeah I did hear that. <laughs> she doesn't like it back away yeah blew up <laughs> also I think Franklin just wanted her, the bed that she was laying in because now he is oh definitely what a jerk um so yeah it sounds like he was maybe a little bit fucked over by the media too which jj hawkenfield was in charge of at the time well not the time also death but fucked over fucked over by a uh terrible lawyer yeah it sounds like the the legal system didn't do him any favors because they had a public defender who who was a spud who was a spud and who clearly was biased and yeah. you know he didn't really get the representation that he needed and he didn't get the and apparently the whole jury they had a whole jury trial and all of the jury were spuds too which that's mm-hmm. not cl- nearly what is and, called for in a legal yeah. setting and 
<clears throat> what did they say? Who did they say? His uh, lawyer, his like public attorney played golf with like the judge every weekend or played he played golf with like someone important every weekend and they were like it like he wasn't even trying like he was, oh yeah I didn't get all of that information but yeah I definitely remember her saying like no he was not even trying which yeah great um so that happened and Forrest so his name is Forrest Beecham is now in prison for murder um but a lot of people and she you know obviously is very distraught by it it's very like a you know, part probably maybe I would assume I haven't read ahead, but would I would guess is part of the reason she's so stoic and suspicious of outsiders mm-hmm. um, because they her family has like just really been. Oh my god! Can you hear this? Shadow is like licking the cone so ridiculously. Like I can see his little tongue. Yeah, I can definitely hear that. <laughs> Shadow, stop, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> Hey. Yeah, you're gonna get a kick out of how loud that is. <laughs> oh, no. oh, buddy. Hey. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. What if I scratch your head? Is that what's is that what's happening? You itchy? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, you really need to stop. Can you stop, please? Oh god, he really can't stop. <laughs> okay, I might have got nope, nope, there we go again. Can you just please go to sleep? No. (laughs) (laughs) Buddy. Okay, well, now he's licking my hand, so maybe we have some time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so where even were we? I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, sorry. So, uh, Forrest is in prison? Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. So yeah, Forrest is in prison for what I would, I'm only assuming he didn't, the crime he didn't commit. Um, And then do we get even more information about where it happened? Oh, we we do. We get the whole picture, but I don't know if it's in this section. I think it is because then the next thing that he does that night, he like goes immediately home. Oh my God, stop it. Okay, I think we're doing good. Um, yeah, because I think one of the next things he does is that he goes home and he takes Coco out to the place where he, to the, like the veranda where he has just learned that um, J.J. Hockenfield mm-hmm. was, was pushed over. Did we, does Coco move any more mountains in yes. this chapter? Yeah. Okay, great. Yes, so. there is one more mountain move. And yeah, and we get the key yeah do we find out where the key leads to we do yes, okay we do. great <laughs> we're right important on things okay great. yes yeah. yeah yeah so we do figure out where like kind of like ballpark uh scenario of what happened because i think it's this night when Quillerin goes home coco has yes. nudged the picture off the wall again or not off the wall but like on the wall he's kind of like tilted it a little bit with his face yes yeah and Quillerin makes some more like well moving mountains again like mm-hmm. and he does his like Quillerin thing where he yells at Coco and then immediately yeah. is like oh shit no you're a detective and you actually oh, found something you're great <laughs> yeah so Quillerin out of frustration takes the picture off the wall not out of 
intelligence in realizing that his cat is a detective but (laughs) (laughs) out of frustration he's like well fine i'll just take it off the wall if you're gonna keep nudging it so he pulls it off the wall and finds a key yeah to the back um like a big it seems like kind of like a a big like old tiny key to me i could be wrong but no i think it is yeah because he comments on how like big and inconvenient it is for him (laughs) well anyway so yeah so he takes the key and he's like oh great a key i wonder where this goes and just kind of like puts it in a drawer and forgets about it until like a little bit later until like the next day no until like an hour later it all happened that same night Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, and, until Coco is like rubbing against something else, and he again yells at Coco. For yeah. Me. He's like, I don't know why you're rubbing all over this thing. Like, get over here and let me feed you. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does eventually. I think this time he's like, Oh, you're so smart. Like, there is something behind this. So it's like a big, tall, like bookcase, or it's it's just like a massive piece of furniture that's covering like the whole wall. Yeah, it's a bookcase, I think, that doesn't have any books in it because he uses oh. a term that I really enjoyed, which was bibliocat, which I don't, I think is like <laughs> vocabulary nonsense, but I think he's trying to say that the cat loves, that Coco loves books. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> which doesn't make any sense because if you take the, the file out of the word, you, you lose the love part. <laughs> you lose the love, it's true. But we're just going to say... <laughs> it's kind of nonsensically great (laughs) yeah no it's true so he does decide that coco is a genius at this point and (laughs) and moves the piece the big giant piece of bookshelf furniture out of the way um and finds a door surprise yeah and And we get like so much like right after that like i thought there was gonna be some build up to it but he gets to snoop in jj hawkinfield's like secret hidden office pretty mm-hmm. immediately yeah which i would i i mean it is a super secret hidden office but i would assume that at one point it was not a super secret hidden office like yeah I i'm like... sure it was open while he was like alive and living there with his family it was probably just boarded off because they didn't want quiller and snooping in it yeah i got the impression that the daughter might have boarded it off when she started yeah place. yeah um, but oh we did miss the hike i think he does hike in between finding the key and finding the office because that's when Mm. we find out that this dog that quillerin meets on his hike is lucy jj hawkenfield's dog because so quillerin has this really ill ill ill-fated hike where he like is going downhill and like really pushing himself and it's like if you don't why are you really pushing yourself on this weird like almost it's almost nighttime it's like supposed to rain according to the handyman not according to the weatherman but (laughs) i'd rather believe the handyman who lives there regularly than yeah and who has been right every single time yeah who's been like an excellent like at everything so far um yeah so so it was because while looking for whatever this key went to he went out on the like roof or like tallest veranda or like whatever he went out on and saw the lake and he wanted to go explore the lake that's right and he still never found the lake <laughs> he never he never found the lake at one point i think he might find the lake but not yeah. in this section nor in the next <laughs> yeah i wonder i kind of wondered if there was something important at the lake or if maybe that is going to be a place where cooler and has like 
some minor emotional revelation because I feel like at the end he has to have some kind of at least small revelation of like I want I love it here I'm gonna stay here forever or like I love I'm assuming he's gonna go back to pickaxe or like I love pickaxe and I mean he bought that giant fucking candelabra for his barn that's true he's feeling very nostalgic for his (laughs) apple barn (laughs) feeling very nostalgic for his apple barn so yeah so he goes on this hike which is like it's just so ridiculous and he's clearly like hurting his knee and like sliding on things but he's still like pushing on to find the lake that's right I forgot that was the case and then it all of a sudden starts to get dark and it is about to rain and he's just like oh fuck I fucked up and then out of nowhere he sees this like seemingly really scary big black animal kind of lumbering towards him and uh, it turns out to be a very friendly, big, fat Doberman, like overfed Doberman, um, who is like, I don't Named really Lucy. know. Lucy, yeah. And like Quillerin calls her a rescue dog. But I also don't know if Quillerin was just being dramatic about like, she rescued me because she was kind of leading him for sure. Yeah. Well, but I that think... doesn't mean she was a trained rescue <laughs> so dog. I think... <laughs> no, I think she was leading him back to the the house because that's where she gets her food sometimes so as as we find out later she does belong to that house she is jj hockenfield's dog but has somehow managed to like get herself into the wild and like lives in the wild now but i think so it, it seems to me like she shows up there sometimes because she's like oh i'm hungry and i used to get food here maybe i'll get food here now too and so, like, I think that's kind of her motivation for getting Quillerin back to the house because she was like, no one's here. Come feed me, you yeah. man. But he does see it as, like, a rescue because she, like, nudges him in the right direction until he follows her and then, like, makes right. sure that he's following her the entire way. And so he's like, oh, she must be a trained rescue dog. And that's true, but absolutely not. She's food motivated. <laughs> very food motivated. Yeah, that's so funny. No, that's a really good point. I didn't think of that. Um, so Quillerin does reward her with some hot dogs that, as we mentioned before, mm-hmm. the cat snubbed, but we're actually for Quillerin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that was really He never funny. does get his hot dogs. Well, no, because he gave them to, but well, he bought more. He did He buy bought more. more. And he gives them to the dog again. Oh, okay. Stop giving new information. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize that was, I mean, this was, this is not an important part. She just like shows up at the door again. And he's like, damn it, my hot dogs. And gives oh, her more. No, and then I'm she sure. leaves. So it's like not an, an important no, thing. But um, yeah, this part of the book and next part of the book, he does not get his hot dogs. <laughs> poor Quillerin. Yeah. But so then to fast forward a little bit. So then since he now has had a little bit more, you know, time to, I don't know, or Coco has had more time to search for the office while Quillerin has been out. Mm-hmm. Um, then he, you know, flash forward to what we we're saying, he finds the hidden office. Um, and when he, he, and this is a little irresponsible too. He just opens the door and lets the cats immediately like run in. And it's like, that could be a door outside that could go somewhere yeah. you don't want them to go. That's really, well, he actually does, he does mention that he knows where it goes because well he doesn't know like what is on the other side of the door like it could be a booby trap but yeah um he does know that it doesn't lead outside uh because he mentioned that as coco is sniffing the wall that's why he decides to investigate because he's like oh actually now that i'm thinking about it the outside of the house on this side has like 
three or four windows and like there's only two windows on this wall so like this is obviously not the same wall that is on the outside of the house so he does know what the wall is on the outside of the house and it's not a door okay fair so Um, i'm I'm assuming that he's logical enough to realize that it's not gonna like lead his cats out into the woods but you're right it could be like full of poisonous gas it's true it could also be full of spikes like you don't know could just be anything but so they they do all rush in together and it is not full of gas or spikes it's full of an office and as they rush in and are like snooping around there is a uh, a little dog bed with the lucy name on it which is the name that quilleran found on the dog's tag so that's how we know that this dog belonged to which like as soon as i they found the bed with lucy on it i was like oh go find lucy like what are you doing (laughs) i know he like like, let a dog like this dog obviously belongs here and you just like let her walk away and you're not even gonna like be concerned enough to go look for her it's almost like he didn't put it together i think he did he just like didn't care Ugh, quillerin i know um so i forget was there anything important that was found in that room um i think he just like snoops through some old um articles that jj hawkenfield wrote and they painted him in a very unpleasant light he sounds like a douchebag oh that's right yeah yeah um yeah i can't remember what else he found in there if anything he found an ottoman oh that's right that was really funny (laughs) oh and this is where the lights went out that's right Yes, yeah, so there is actually a storm coming in that the handyman was right, the weatherman was wrong, and right, the lights go out while they're in this already dark, like, um, hidden office, and so there is quite the scramble of cats and Quillerin, and there's stepping on tails and just general chaos, and actually, this I thought this was really funny because he not only has a candelabra with candles and apparently has a... <laughs> Uh, flashlight in the car he can't use any of them because he apparently can't get out to the car and doesn't have matches anymore because he doesn't smoke so he literally is just in the dark and he's like well we might as well just go to bed so they literally (laughs) just go to bed (laughs) yeah and it's (laughs) it is really funny but I have I have like absolutely been in that situation before (laughs) oh a (laughs) hundred percent yeah and like I feel like in most cases where the lights go out you can still like see a like a little bit of like outlines of things and like make your way around and like it's still boring and like you can't really do anything but i i will say in in albania when the lights go out everything goes out like all of it the entire city all at once city in quotation marks but like (laughs) there there were definitely times where i was like in my apartment like in my living room and the lights went out and I was like well I can either feel my way into the bedroom or I could just sleep on this couch because I don't (laughs) want to bump my shins on anything my god you didn't even move rooms (laughs) (laughs) no because it was so dark and I mean like there's kind of no excuse because like it was my apartment I could have easily like felt my way into the bedroom but at the same time it was like or I could just go to bed here because like what's the point (laughs) (laughs) I mean Quillerin would agree. Yet another reason that you are quilling hard. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. So we're actually almost to the end of what the part that we well the part that I read <laughs> this time. 
There are only a few other things that happen. Um, Quillerin has another semi-eventful day. He um, has arranged... He has, like, a couple errands in town that I don't know. Do those... I don't think he... Does he get to them? He does. He does a couple errands in town because he schedules it really specifically because... So one of the the other smaller things that happened the night before was that Verona Dudley Wick slash Tinker Toys as... has called and has very aggressively kind of manipulatively a little bit has been like really trying to get him to come over to her house for or get to get an interview with Quillerin and she's like let me come up right now and he's like nope and she's like you know offers him all of these other options and then it's funny because he's like well as a journalist I would I would um, always be so offended if someone turned down an interview which I was like I don't know that that you should be offended by that. Someone might just not want to be interviewed. Right. But he does finally talk her down to just a 30 minute meetup in which he, she suggests, he suggests a coffee shop, but she's like, no, no, come to my house for tea. And so he schedules it really specifically of like, he's going to be in town for a few other things in the morning and then he's going to go over there. And then he's like, but I have uh, like, I'll be there at 1030, but I, I have like a, something right after that so like you only get 30 minutes um and then if you'll notice the thing after that wasn't until 1 30 so he kind of yeah. a little bit <laughs> he did kind of lie but his thing at 1 30 was at his house so he did have to make it all the way back up that's true and he had to like fluff his mustache and pour some chardonnay because that meeting was with sabrina, sabrina. <laughs> i forgot her name for a minute yeah um, no that's true but his his interview with and was there something did he like find something else because i know he woke up in the middle of the night because the lights were back on and the cats were sitting on him (laughs) yeah but and i i'm pretty sure he went back down to the office to snoop some more did we find anything before he went back into town oh yeah i can't i can't remember yeah i can't remember either that actually might have just been when he woke up because it was really early and he basically was like it was early enough that i mean you know, morning enough that he kind of woke up. And I think that might have been when he just read some more things and we just get more of, like, he's a douchebag type. JJ, I mean, is a douchebag yeah. type reading. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And didn't, uh, what's his name, come over to work on the cat box? Yes. Yeah, the gazebo starts working. The Or uh, the gazebo starts going up. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think that's kind of it yeah Mm -hmm. why does he go into town he does go into town for something obviously not anything important it's probably gonna like be the clue that like leads us to the murderer later (laughs) (laughs) well oh well oh well yeah um so yeah the interview is really strange because quilleran's tactic is to basically like just grill Verona instead of like letting her yeah ask him any questions so I have a a willing participant in that that's true we do find out that he one of the questions he asks her is if she went to journalism school and she did not so she's not technically like a trained journalist I think she just likes writing and like gossiping about people so she like hardcore fell for his journalism tactics of just like rapid fire asking her questions and she was like great I'll gossip and like didn't even think about it yeah but I also kind of feel like yeah no you're right because from Lillian Jackson Braun's perspective Quillerin is definitely like yeah the more journalistic 
and I mean definitely right because she writes a gossip column so like definitely the more journalistic but part of me was like seeing her as a Rita Skeeter type from Harry Potter and oh, so I was yeah. like Quillerin you're so dumb she's gonna write a gossip column on you anyway like why wouldn't you give her factual information to work on because <laughs> right. I kind of have a feeling unless you already know that you know a column's gonna come out anyway and it's gonna be like ridiculous and he's gonna be so mad well that doesn't happen within the next section and and we do get i think the next time he talks to his uh his other reporter friend his other reporter friend was like and she's so embarrassed that she realized she didn't even get to ask you any questions so you'll never hear from her again which is obviously not true well not obviously but it is not true he does hear from her again but (laughs) sure of course he does but i I do think that Lillian Jackson Braun just wrote her as kind of like the ditzy, like gossipy type person who like didn't realize that he was trying to play her and not answer right. any of her questions. No, that makes more sense in the way that these books are written for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so yeah, he does get a little more information about JJ through this inquisition of his though, because mm-hmm. um, he finds out that she was hired by JJ initially and was like, I think maybe like a like a, an assistant or like a clerk initially or like a copy clerk. Um, yeah, I can't remember what she started as, but I think they they were friends, and so she like hung out with him and kind of like partied with him in her younger years before she married. I think his partner. Oh, that is not in this yet. Oh well, she did. <laughs> she did get married. <laughs> well, no, she talks about her husband, but yeah. she just talks about him. Like, um, I think it was his name, Wilson. Which I was. Ooh, it, I oh no, you're right. It does kind of make sense because she says that he is a um, real estate, like a construction, like contractor type guy that did a yeah. lot of the construction that JJ worked on. So you're right. No, no. Yeah, right. I, I, right. Yeah, I don't know if they were partners per se but I know they they definitely work together and it sounds like they were kind of like closely tied in terms of business and also friendship they were kind of like all three of them were were close but her husband actually passed away also yeah um so she's a widow at this point and I think it, it gives the time frame in this part he passed away like right after JJ yeah like within the year yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. which true that could factor in I mean we don't know maybe you know but I don't know <laughs> I I don't know but I strongly suspect oh okay okay yeah, yeah. we'll see interesting but we but will yeah. not see in the next section so <laughs> we'll see eventually <laughs> um so, yeah, so then we kind of see that, you know, she was very fond of JJ, whereas everyone else kind of talks about him of like as like, you know, just a part of the community that people kind of put up with because he was such a big part of the community. And then even the next thing, which is the um, Quilleran's little rendezvous with Sabrina at his mm-hmm. place, she yes. like comes bearing lots of uh, furniture and folding privacy screens and things and so she got like, rental plants yeah <laughs> rental plants yeah this is all just a world that i don't i'm not a part of yeah um, rental yeah. plants that come with their like weekly waterers that take care of them yeah super weird yeah which is like a fancy world that i will never know i know right <laughs> um 
Yeah, so that's gets all set up, and then Quillerin and Sabrina ha- he offers her a Chardonnay, and of course she says yes, and so they have like a little a little hangout, and uh, she basically is the one that's like, you know, they're kind of talking about JJ again, and this is where we get more information about the daughter, but he she also Sabrina also says um, that the woman who writes the potato peelings column, aka Verona, was maybe one of the only people who liked JJ, um, mm-hmm. so that meeting is kind of a good juxtaposition to the quote-unquote interview he just had with um Verona. And I think this is where we get like a little bit more information maybe about um how the sons died and how the I mean it sounds like JJ is like a semi-abusive sexist asshole in general but um I think this is where we find out that after his sons died he was like distraught and didn't want to deal with his daughter so he sent her away to boarding school oh right yeah Um, that's right so she didn't get that i mean in her i guess older years of childhood she didn't get that much interaction with him but she still turned into like kind of a greedy asshole yeah because right as soon as you start feeling sad for her then um sabrina is like well but she also came back and like you know now that the house apparently the house is the only thing that jj left her and so Sabrina's like, she's trying to get the most out of it she can, which like, that's fine. But apparently she's doing it in a way that's like, yeah, a little bit shady because she's like trying to get Sabrina to appraise things for free and like yeah. kind of treating Sabrina poorly. Um, and which apparently her father did too, because apparently when the, uh, JJ's wife was doing a lot of redecorating work um, with Sabrina, she was saying like, I didn't really work with him. I worked with the wife. But after she was um, committed, there was like a you know a big bill for the redecorating that Sabrina had done, and JJ wouldn't pay it, saying that they had taken advantage of a woman who was potentially mentally ill, and um, so apparently they took him to court, and he did lose and have to pay all of the um, the bill eventually, mm-hmm. um, which good for Sabrina, good work. I mean, yeah, gotta get paid for your work right so um put him in his place it's not like he didn't have the money he just didn't want to do it i know right and that seems like it's always the thing with like i mean not always the thing i'm sure there are very nice rich people out there who just like (laughs) don't have to worry about anything because they're very rich and are very nice for it but yeah it does seem like also a lot of rich people continue to be rich because they decide not to pay people Mm -hmm. which great (laughs) yeah But then that leads us up to potentially, well, I know, I wish it was more of a cliffhanger, but there is a little moment where as Sabrina's leaving, Quillerin is all of a sudden realizing that the cats have been very quiet. And he's like, oh, no. And simultaneously sees her bag, like, open, left open as she's, like, leaving and grabs it and zips it up and is heading out the door. And he doesn't say anything, which I would have felt obligated to say something if I suspected that. But he's like, oh, the cats definitely stole something out of that bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, oh, Chuni, what did you take? Can you not play with this? Thank you. <laughs> well, that play. was p- perfectly timed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would have said something because it could have been like I mean she would have had to like rifle through her whole bag in front of him and be like yeah something's here or like something's not here and like maybe 
she doesn't know what's in her whole bag and so it would have been a whole thing of like well let's search around the house see if you recognize anything but what if it was like her wallet (laughs) yeah but like that's pretty noticeable pretty fast she would have very good at hiding things (laughs) very good at hiding things and we will find out in the next section that she is very good at hiding things (laughs) that is reaffirmed (laughs) So that is a little bit, okay, so we do actually have a little bit of a cliffhanger, because this, the end of this chapter ends on Quillerin walking back into Coco, just, like, flailing, and, like, everyone thinks, yeah, like, I thought it was a medical emergency, Quillerin thought yeah, it was a medical oh, emergency. Sure. I was like, oh god, he ate a poisonous plant, which yeah. is exactly what Quillerin thought. <laughs> right, which, of course, yeah. I would definitely think, too, there are new plants in here, you're dying because of the rental plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that he has just gotten hair stuck around his paw. And so he's like flailing, trying to get it off. Yeah. Oh my God. I was going to say the color, but I forget what he called it. It was something really ridiculous. Oh, the color. It was um, uh, decorator blonde. Decorator blonde, <laughs> AKA red. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Cause that's his whole thing. Right. But like yeah. he loves, he also talks so much about how he loves decorators, interior decorators. And it's like, now you just have a crush on two different decorators that you work with because you have a crush on everyone. Two different redheaded decorators that he works with. Yeah, true. True. He makes very makes that very clear that it he is does. it is the fiery redheadedness of them. Well, it's not. It's he it's just him. But yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they do have commonalities and I think that's probably one of the reasons why he's drawn to this decorator is because he breathed so lustily after the last decorator. Lusty breathing, I hate it. It's the worst. But that's it. Um, That's pretty much it. I don't know. I mean, do you think that we missed anything in that section? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. (laughs) Fair. Um, Even if I could remember what happened in each. Well, we do get like a little, a little bit of thing, you know, a few things we're still looking out for. Like, I can't wait to, which you already know about, but I can't <gasps> wait to learn about whether or not there are witches, the like <gasps> light circle. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get to like discover something that maybe Yum Yum hid from Sabrina. Yeah. yeah. Um, we do need to, oh, we didn't even mention, there is one more thing that we didn't mention. There was a cocktail party that Quilleran goes to. Um, oh yeah we that's meet like his neighbors yeah we meet all of his rich fancy neighbors and it's pretty uneventful and we don't actually get any like real full conversations it's just him kind of soireeing in and out of the rich and famous of um but i will say that his next door neighbors who live like right on top of the waterfall are a pair of veterinarians and we do meet them a little bit more closely next time Ooh. i will not say why but Ooh. there is a a need for a vet oh no <laughs> okay we have more of a cliffhanger now folks <laughs> more of a cliffhanger <laughs> oh no we do, yeah we do meet the vets okay so um, they are they are not people to be forgotten yet okay they might not they might not be important but i i think they they could potentially give some good information well i honestly feel like anyone on that mountain is important because any of them could have just run over and pushed jj off because we do get that is very true so we do i forget who exactly said it but um we do get a little bit of the timeline of how we know that jj was pushed off off of his own cliff at the inn 
so it turns out that the daughter was actually there mm-hmm. when te- technically when it happened I think she was maybe having some kind of confrontation with her dad or was going to make a dinner I think and was going she was there and then she went down the mountain to the store mm-hmm. to get groceries and when she came when she was going down she saw Forrest Beecham's truck going up to the inn mm-hmm. um, which is why he was suspected and charged and um eventually convicted of the crime yeah because when she came back then that truck was his truck was gone and her dad was dead and Mm -hmm. after you know not being able to find him for a little bit she did i think it was her she did find him and uh which which does seem very suspicious but i will say that there is another side to that story i'm sure there is i'm (laughs) sure i hope corin goes and talks to forrest does that happen in the next bit no don't tell us don't tell us don't tell us okay i won't tell you okay but we do get more of the story from i think at least two different sides okay so two or two or three other people have inputs of like their perspective of what happened and so we do get more information about that story okay but we also um i i think it's in this part where he like when he discovers the uh the room the the study the like office the inside office of uh-huh. jj's office <laughs> i don't know why i'm having a hard time describing this <laughs> yeah no the this one we room. already talked about um yeah the one we already talked about um i think this is that was the part where quillerin kind of like does a, a a once over of the room and is like oh that like this is where the new window is that looks directly out onto the new um the new uh railing on the balcony like this oh. is probably where like yeah. you can see like the chair probably went through like the broken chair that was fixed probably went through the window that broke and then jj oh, was pushed over the right railing yes. that was broken and so all of these things that what's his name has fixed it they're all probably part of the the murder that's true that's right because we do get a little bit more detail that there was a struggle before he jj was pushed over so there was a chair that went through the window that then jj was pushed off and then whoever did it assuming someone did it i Mm -hmm. mean assuming he didn't just do it himself or that lucy didn't do it or you know the daughter didn't do it um that yeah that's when jj is takes his tumble over the cliff yeah which also paints a, a pretty sad picture because this is chrysalis's brother which means that it's the handyman's son so the handyman is forced to then fix his the murder scene that his son was convicted for oh god that is really dark right isn't that like kind of the worst like why would you hire him and make him fix that crime scene right yeah i actually hadn't put that together that is really sad yeah the worst but he's still a very nice person and he is has been kind enough to start a, a cat room for and <laughs> <laughs> outdoor cat needs. Very true. It's very true. So we do actually have a lot of cliffhangers then. So yeah, next next time, tune in next time for the continuation for part three of the cat who moved a mountain. Woo. Woo. There are no, there are no ghosts in this. There are not. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah thanks so much for listening guys um you can find us on social media uh we are per normal captivity pod on instagram for a normal pod on twitter we're on patreon and just a huge thank you as always to everyone who donates and you know supports us there that's so so we're so appreciative for that so thank you um our patrons our patrons yes thank you um and then yeah lastly yeah if you guys do have a free minute and want to review us on itunes um that would be just great we would just love that people have been so kind on there and that's been really really helpful too and yeah other than that thanks for listening and uh give all your cats a little a little cuddle for us a big potato cuddle yeah a big potato cuddle <laughs> All right, thank- oh god, Shadow's licking his cone again. I should probably go. No, Shadow. <laughs> oh no. All right. <laughs> Bye. All right. Bye.